Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, in the immortal words of Rob Palinka, we chose them, they chose us, and you chose the Lakers Legacy Podcast, and I choose you, Rui Chu. Robbie P. Platitudes are back in full force, which means... Lakers basketball is back, baby. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. And Tommy, yesterday we got a little pre-media day presser from Darvin Ham and Rob Palinka. Media day is on Monday. Training camp is next Sunday. And, oh, sorry, training camp is next week, right after media day. And the first preseason game is next Sunday. On a scale of one to big ladies, how are you feeling? I'm feeling big ladies. I'm feeling big ladies. (laughs) Very nice. So am I. So today we will be talking about our quick thoughts on the ham slash palenka presser that happened yesterday. And then for the rest of the episode, we'll mainly talk about this Lakers team in a macro overview as a whole. We'll talk about the identity we see them taking on this season, as well as any other outstanding thoughts we have and how we think this team or what strengths we think this team will dial into this upcoming season. But first, Rob Palenka and Darvin Ham's presser. Tommy wasn't able to watch most of it. He did see some of the news briefings that came up on the Twitter timeline. So, Tommy, I will give you a recap of what stood out most to me, and then you can give me your thoughts on... uh, Yeah, your thoughts on that and how that's making you feel. So the biggest thing that came out of the presser yesterday, and usually when Rob Palink and Darvin Ham do these pressers, you kind of just want to shrug it off because you know it's going to be filled with a bunch of platitudes, which there were, um, and maybe a bunch of flowery language. But actually, yesterday, there was a lot of really useful info and tidbits on what the Lakers' key players were doing this offseason that I actually found encouraging. Now, I'll caveat this by saying, of course, everybody is going to be very glowing about what they say. Everybody's feeling hyped about their team and the collection of players that we've managed to cobble up here. It's that time of the year to be extra lit about your team. So, yeah, I'll just caveat everything by saying that. But one of the bigger points that Rob Palenka and Darvin Ham sort of highlighted yesterday was Rui Hachimura being LeBron James' understudy. 
Apparently, LeBron James has, for one thing, LeBron James is very rejuvenated and revamped. He's treating this offseason like it's his rookie season, waking up at 6 a.m. for two-a-day workouts. So that's great to hear. But on top of that, apparently, Rui Hachimura has been joining LeBron James for these 6 a.m. two-a-days. Rui, as you all know, is slim AF. His waist and his upper core look very svelte. And LeBron James has called Rui Hachimura his understudy. Now, Darvin Ham has not gone as far as to say that Rui Hachimura is the starting three, the way that he mentioned that D'Angelo Russell is the starting point guard on this team. Another point we'll get to in just a second. But... Everything coming out of Rui Hachimura's offseason and the way Rob Palink and Darvin Ham have talked about this kid and how he had a renaissance year after being traded to the Lakers and just seeing his progression and growth from, you know, the end of the regular season and play and chase to his tremendous uptick in the playoffs. I'm really hyped about all this extra news about how Rui Hachimura has approached this offseason and potentially being ready to take on a starting three role. But after hearing that, Leah, what are your thoughts on Rui Hachimura being LeBron James' understudy? I'm pretty excited um, about everything that we've sort of heard about Rui. I think, you know, given the fact that Austin closed so well last year, um, you know, especially in that Denver series, but, you know, he was obviously our most consistent bench player throughout the whole playoffs um, and then followed it up with a really impressive showing with Team USA I think he's sort of on everyone's mind. I think like the fact that he's a ball handler who takes pressure off LeBron, you know, as a playmaker, that also, you know, kind of brings him to the forefront of everyone's mind, um, thinking about this team and, and what they need to do to win. But Rui is just, if he comes in, I, I think the thing, right, is like, and we've talked about like flash in the pans that happen in, in the playoffs, right? And yeah, he's not going to come in and shoot 48%. Like, spoiler alert, he's not going to hit 48% from three over an 82-game season, most likely. Um, So, you know, it's easy to kind of brush that stuff off. But if he can take a statistical leap over what he's done in his career so far, if he can, you know, more consistently show up as a defensive player, um, he is going to just have, like, a, I think, really, really surprising year. I think, you know... We might talk about this later, but of all the players on the team, I'm probably most excited to see how his season turns out. Mm. Because with Austin, you kind of know what you're going to get. D'Lo at this point is really like a vet. Um, Rui, I'm just not sure. Is he going to continue building off of what happened last year? Or is he going to kind of, I don't want to say regress because, you know, it was a small sample, but, you know, kind of return to the mean of, maybe a slight improvement over his career um, where his career has gone so far, but not necessarily where he was in the playoffs. So I'm kind of, yeah. I'm very interested in seeing what happens with him. Yeah. Because with Rui, there's untapped potential there. And you've seen flashes of that untapped potential, especially in the playoffs with the shooting pedigree or shooting acumen. And you want to see if Rui can do that jump that other kind of beefier wings have done like Aaron Gordon or Jeremy Grant. Right. So that'll be interesting to see for sure. Now, the other big takeaway that I had from Ham and Palinka's presser yesterday was their supreme vote of confidence towards D'Angelo Russell. Now, Darvin Ham explicitly said, "The one thing I'll tell you, the one thing I'll tell you about D'Angelo Russell is he is our starting point guard." And for me, that was so much validation, Tommy, because if you guys have been listening to this podcast and following us, 
I always thought it was so silly, all the Gabe Vincent talk. The moment we signed him, they were like, uh-oh, there's competition for the starting point guard spot. And I'm like, is there really? Like, first of all, D'Angelo Russell's getting paid more than this guy. Like, I'm just not sure where this is coming from. Even if you look at it from a statistical standpoint, yes, the playoffs, he faltered a little bit. He still had better stats in the playoffs. And then if you're just looking at his synergy with Austin Reeves and the efficiency numbers he put up, it, it wasn't adding up. So I'm glad Darvin Ham went out there and said, D'Angelo Russell is our starting point guard. Um, but them just reiterating and highlighting how mature D'Angelo Russell has been this offseason, like he went over to China and did some, you know, basketball stuff in China, had some camps there. He came back. And when he came back, he communicated with all of his teammates, all of his coaches, trying to set up these workouts. Apparently, he even had a solo workout with just LeBron James and Anthony Davis, which is kind of telling. And they just continued to prop this dude up as a leader, as one of the leaders on this team, which is such a, I mean, it goes counter to how Lakers fans feel about this dude in terms of this is just a stopgap player. The moment a shiny new name comes up on the market, like, I don't know, Drew Holiday, Buddy Heald, let's ship him out, et cetera, et cetera. So it was nice to, well, I kind of got deja vu when I heard Darvin Ham backing another Russell at guard. But this time, I really like this version of a Russell <laughs> that he was backing. So this time it made a whole lot of sense to me to, for Rob Palenka and Darvin Ham to get behind D'Angelo Russell, considering the fact that he had a very, you know, sour sour end to his season. And Rob Palenka even had that honeymoon quote with regards to D'Angelo Russell and how D'Angelo Russell's end to the season is like a 14-day honeymoon where the first 13 days is amazing, but on the 14th day, you have a crappy lunch. Does that ruin your entire memory of the vacation? No, it doesn't. And so it is with D'Angelo Russell because we are not going to divorce D'Angelo Russell just because of the Denver Nuggets series. But your thoughts on, yeah, the vote of confidence behind D'Angelo Russell and not just viewing him as, I mean, he may inevitably become like the next trade piece. I just like that Darvin Ham and Rob Palenka made sure to make it seem like this dude is a captain and leader of this team and he is our starting point guard. Yeah, I, 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 I'm glad that he came out and said that at this stage to like even take it out of the equation that there's going to be a competition. I mean, and maybe there will be, right? 82 games is a long season, but at least going into camp, He's like set the foundation to be very clear at this point, D'Angelo Russell starting. I think that was important because, you know, regardless of whether you think D'Lo or Vincent is a better player, you, you can certainly make a strong fit argument, right? Like you could say, okay, well, maybe D'Lo is a better player, but Vincent maybe fits, maybe D'Lo fits better with the bench that might use some more scoring. Now, I think there's also a good argument to be made there that you should just start your best players. Yeah. Um, you don't need to be cute about it. Obviously, if there's... You know, with Ru uh, the uh, old Russ situation, we had to sort of try to get cute about it. And I'm sure people have heard like Pat Bev's criticisms of of that approach, right? But it's like we didn't really have a choice. It was too many guys who needed the ball in their hands, and Russell Westbrook is not like a go stand in the corner type of player, um, which is not his fault, right? That's just not who he is. So sometimes you can make those arguments. I don't think that those really apply here. Um, I'm glad he set the foundation. I do. I agree with him that the like, you know, we know Delos should start. We know Reeves should start. Obviously, AD and LeBron. 
And to your point, he didn't make the distinction of who's starting at that other forward spot. And I think that one is much more appropriate to sort of figure Mm -hmm. out. You can make a really strong argument. It should be Vando just because he can guard any position one through four pretty much. And, you know, you could just have him out there as like the start the game defensive enforcer um, to take some of the pressure. And now they've committed to him long term too, Vando, that is. And now they've committed to him long term too. So that like that makes some sense. You could have Rui. I think he's probably the best player of of the options, right? You have, I mean, I don't think this is going to happen, but like you even have Christian Wood. You even have Jackson Hayes. You could start and go uh, big. You even have Torian Prince, who legitimately could be a starter on a contending team. All right, calm Um, down, dude. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's like a lot of options. So, you know, that makes a little more sense to me. The D'Lo Vincent thing, I was sort of with you. I, I never really understood why people were so focused on that. Yeah, for sure. And the more that I've dug into Delo's tape over the last few weeks or so, and you can catch the videos and reels that I've been putting up on Twitter, the more I'm just like, dude, this guy is so unappreciated. And he's almost like the forgotten man at this point when just looking at the tape, he's like our best non-LeBron playmaker. Like this dude's vision is uncanny. You know, he's the one who can find AD the, the easiest and the most. And he's still, when he gets on one of those heaters, is one of the most dynamic guards in the league. So kudos to Rob Palinka and Darvin Ham for getting out ahead of it and giving D'Lo their full vote of confidence. The last thing that stood out to me, and that's been, and the report that's been circulating the rounds here, is the fact that Anthony Davis has really worked on his jump shot. Now, these are famous last words, obviously, and we'll wait to see it before we believe it. But apparently during the Lakers' mini-camp player-held minicamp, player-led minicamp by LeBron James in San Diego, everybody, all the players were raving about how good Anthony Davis's jump shot looks. And Darvin Ham followed that up by saying AD has been working out with Chris Gent a lot this offseason on his jumper, which is something that I especially love to hear. And also, I think if the coaching staff can get an alignment with AD in terms of scheming up more plays for him to actually shoot these jump shots, because I don't think it was just AD sucks at jump shots and that's the end of the story. I think it's also partly we need a scheme for AD to take some jump shots and take some three-point shots the way that Vogel schemed for him to do so in the 2020 championship. Because if you remember, they were setting pin-down screens for AD to pop off for threes. You know, that never happened during last year's during last year with Darvin Ham, and that's probably largely because AD was playing a lot at the five. But now that we have such a versatile group, I would love for the coaching staff to incorporate more of those set plays again to get Anthony Davis confident with that jump shot and to keep the defense honest. So given what AD has been working on this offseason and how he has honed in on that one aspect, and hopefully the coaching staff has as well, what are your thoughts on the return of jump shooting AD? Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. I think we're in prime, like, sure. you know, if everything hits perfectly, you know, all these things are going to happen season. Um, that's like where we are right now. Every fan base yeah. is going through this, like microanalyzing, like random cell phone clips of like Rico Hines, <laughs> UCLA runs, like <laughs> trying to figure out how they're, what that means for what the season is going to bring. I mean, 80 had... You know, you talk about flash in the pan. The only time in 80s career, I would say, where he shot that well over the course of that many games was that bubble stretch. You know, I you can say, like, the bubble was this or that or put the asterisk. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm just saying flash in the pan, one playoff run, 
that's by far the best AD has consistently shot. Not even I'm not even talking about just threes, like consistently hit his mid-range jumpers, right? So I will believe it when I see it. I think the fact that he's worked with Chris Gent is very, very encouraging to me because, you know, you maybe you could make the the case that last year, you know, although Darwin was hired relatively early in the offseason, it was still a new coaching staff. Chris Gent was new. They didn't have the relationship they do now after going through that whole season together. Like you could make a much stronger like argument now that AD understands what Chris Gent offers and like you know, instead of working with Lethal Shooter, why don't I go work with Chris Gent, who I hate saying that guy's name because it's so absurd. <laughs> but instead of working with Lethal Shooter, why don't I just go work with Chris Gent, who has a long track record, by the way, of like boosting up entire teams outside shooting, certainly boosting up big men out, outside shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, I will say. That's fair. My only pushback to that is, yes, the bubble championship was an outlier in terms of overall jump shots, but I will say AD's three-point attempts in general have significantly fallen off since that bubble championship, whereas his prior years, even with the Pelicans, his three-point percentage and his attempts and volume were all headed in the right trajectory. You know, it's just, I feel like after the injuries, after the coaching personnel change, after not having the same schemes run for him, I think everybody just abandoned AD's jump shot altogether, whether it's his confidence or whatnot. And I feel like everybody needs to come into more alignment uh, more alignment to help that come back to the top. The last point I'll make is Christian Wood. A lot of us had probably already assumed this, but apparently uh, Rob Palenka was talking with Christian Wood's agent every other day for two months. I mean, we knew it was a two-month courtship, but I guess now it's been confirmed. And, you know, Christian Wood himself in his interview, his introductory interview, said that Darvin Ham was literally talking to him every single day leading up to his (laughs) signing. And the one confirmation that I got that was kind of, again, we could have assumed this, but it's nice to hear the confirmation. But apparently Christian Wood had a number of different suitors And he chose the Lakers out of everybody, mainly because of Darvin Ham, but also he liked the direction the team was going in, and he could see the vision of how he would fit into this team, which is great to hear. And it it aligns a lot with, or it's very similar to Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn, other guys of that ilk who had other offers and maybe even higher paying offers above the minimum. And they chose to go with the Lakers instead. So we're clearly doing something right here. And Christian Wood sees that. We're glad to have him on this team. One aside I have on Christian Wood is in relation to him choosing the Lakers over other teams. Aren't you a little surprised that he actually didn't go with the Suns? Given how kind of what a skeleton crew they have. And they don't have much continuity outside of their big three who doesn't even have continuity themselves. But with regards to the Suns, everything's in flux, right? So if Christian Wood was simply looking for opportunity and role, surely he would have looked at Drew Eubanks and whoever, like even Nurkic, who they have now. And he would have probably said to himself, yeah, I can win a starting forward role on that team. Aren't you a little surprised that he didn't pick the Suns? I'm a little surprised. I think... You know, and and obviously there are some guys floating around still as free agents who should be signed, who were waiting to see what was going to happen with that whole situation. Um, And there's going to be more fallout because people are expecting like even more trades in this next week ahead of media days. Right. So I 
the only thing I can think of, right? And this is, by the way, one of the things that makes me nervous about the wood situation. I don't know what we promised this guy, right? Like, we, pro- mm-hmm. I don't know that we promised to him a starting role because that would certainly make him like sign with us over everybody else. Um, I don't know if we promised him like a minimum guarantee of minutes or like a a firm sixth man role. I, I honestly, I have no idea what the hell we promised him. But you're right. The more you bring this up, the, the more I kind of get thinking like, why did he choose us over everybody else? I mean, it's like he has the prior relationship with Darvin Ham. We gave him the hard sell. But it's also a little concerning too, because it's like now we kind of know that Every year, right, there's every year, every coach, every team, there's always like the coach has his guy. There's always one guy that you can't. It's never a LeBron. It's never like AD. <laughs> like those guys it's are the just, reclamation like, they project, are they are. you know, because there's they always, want that yeah, diamond like, in the rough thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like we've seen it every year. Like last year it was Dennis Schroeder. Like no matter what happened, like like uh, Ham, it was his mission to get that guy like playing well and like integrated. Right. Like. We saw it with Frank Vogel back in the day with Avery Bradley, um, you know, the famous one. And we've seen it in the past. Phil Jackson with Luke Walton. You know, there's always like some random guy that like... Byron Scott with Ronnie Price for some reason. (laughs) Byron Scott (laughs) with Ronnie Price is a perfect example of what we're talking about. That Flashing back all the way to when we first started, I think, doing this podcast. So (laughs) bringing it all the way back. You've actually had that in your files for the last 10 years, just in case. Okay, (laughs) Exactly. So, so, uh, so, you know, there's always that guy. I really hope that that guy is not wood for Darvin Ham this year. Not because I don't like, I'm, I'm very optimistic about wood and, and what kind of season he's going to have for us. I just think there's also, there's a reason he was signing for minimum contracts. Like he carries a lot of baggage and maybe not baggage is the wrong word, but maybe he carries a lot of risk. And if he doesn't play well, you have to be ready to sit him down. So anyway, I know I got off on a slight tangent here, but, but that, that is my concern now that you raise that. No, no, that, that totally makes a lot of sense. So far, Darvin Ham has said all the right things in terms of keeping him in line and getting with the program, but we'll see how that all works. Um, with that said, let's take it to break. When we return, let's talk about this Lakers team as a whole and the identity and strengths we feel like this team will walk into next season. So we will catch you guys after the break. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hey guys, quick call to action for yours truly, the Lakers Legacy Podcast. If you enjoy consuming our content, please, please, please take a moment to Rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. Also, please take a moment to give us a five-star thumb tap on the Spotify app. Just search for the Lakers Legacy Podcast on the Spotify app and click that five-star dial at the top of our page. It's that easy to do. We would greatly appreciate it. It will do a lot in determining the future of this show moving forward, especially as we head into the 2023-24 season. It would mean a lot. And again... At this point, it's the only thing that drives this show. With that said, thank you for consuming our content, and please enjoy the rest of the show. All right, so we are back. Quick aside, Tommy, but you mentioned Lethal Shooter and how that name (laughs) always makes you laugh. I don't know if you've seen this tweet. I forgot. I don't know who tweeted this out, but I just saw it scrolling through my timeline. But in relation to talking about Jalen Brown, someone was like, that dude needs lethal ball handler. (laughs) (laughs) instead of lethal shooter i just thought that was funny and i hope people continue with this meme of calling it lethal whatever whatever skill set you need let's have a lethal of that um anyways before we get into what we think this team will capitalize on with regards to strengths quickly let's talk about what rob palinka has done this summer and just the philosophy change of building a fundamental core with continuity, which is also another topic that Rob Palinka addressed in his presser. And we don't have to spend too much time on this, but this can just literally be like a vibe check of how refreshing it is to be in this state. And at times how boring this offseason was, but boring for the best reasons with regards to it being a drama-less offseason. And you see this Damian Lillard, James Harden trade stuff hanging over other fan bases heads and you're like oh I remember how stressful those days were and how we'd have to do like one an hour one one hour and a half pods on like all these different iterations and this year we're like ah, we got our stuff done the only thing that was waiting in the wings was Christian Wood and if we didn't get him it didn't matter um and then topping everything off with the Vando extension you know since that time we've gotten details on his contract and it looks even better than initially publicized because He's only making like $10.6 million this year, which is, again, less than the full mid-level. And then it slowly rises. But each year, the cap is going to slowly rise until it hits that spike. So literally in each of Vando's years, he's going to be below, well below the full mid-level. And so for me, this is like, this deal is even better than we thought. It's just great to have Vando come into training camp without him having to worry about his name in you know, trade proposals, because again, he can't be traded this season. And overall, you know, this kind of reminds me of the 2020 offseason right after we won the championship, where outside of Dwight Howard, which who we almost re-signed, we pretty much re-upped everybody else, 
We gave Kuzma an extension that offseason. We re-signed KCP. We re-signed Markeith Morris to like a slight bump raise from his vet min from his vet min signing off the buyout market the previous season. And then we just upgraded around the edges everywhere else with like Wesley Matthews, Dennis Schroeder trade, Montrez Harrell, Marcus to take the place of Dwight Howard. And this offseason reminds me a lot of that season in terms of we were able to maintain the key core pieces from the Western Conference Finals team of last year. And then we just bolstered all of the areas of need that we thought we'd need this upcoming season. And for me, it's just been a refreshing ride this summer. It feels like we're not aimlessly running on a hamster wheel, directionless. Everyone has a firm foundation this training camp from which to build on. And even just comparing this offseason to last offseason when we were thinking about Russell Westbrook trades on the daily and then to not even have that trade come to fruition and go into training camp with this like dark cloud hanging over our head. I mean, last year, the vision was so murky because of that. It was like, especially because we started two and 10 with Russ still on the roster, we were like, okay, maybe we'll just be a tank team after all. Or maybe we can be a middling team that tries for the playoffs if this so-called trade ends up happening. Maybe with a good trade, we can make some noise. Like, so much was up in the air. This year, no. The vision is clear. We're going for the championship, and we have retained most of our key pieces. And we have some key pieces that we signed off of free agency that we have high hopes for. So just your thoughts on the overall vibe of this offseason. It feels like... I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but it does feel like a championship vibe. I mean, like, how often is it the case that a team comes in with all these clouds over them and then actually does anything meaningful? You know, it's like this area, this era of sort of super teams and star teams has sort of clouded that for some reason. Everybody always falls back on this idea that like, oh, it doesn't matter as long as such and such, such, such and such and such and such are healthy they're going to be a problem in the playoffs. I feel like every year we see, we see, we say that, excuse me. And every year it's actually proven to be the opposite case. It's like the teams that are hanging around at the end are the teams that were consistently the best all year. Now people are going to caveat and say, what about the Lakers making it as the seventh seed last year to the Western conference finals and the heat, right? I think the heat, they were injured. I think the Lakers, we had a completely different team that made that run to get into the playoffs, right? It's like not even close. You can say like, well, some Austin was there. Even Rui was there a couple months before the deadline. No, no, no. It, getting Russ off our team and fixing the balance, like completely changed the yes. whole makeup of the team, you know? So it's like when you come into the season with a, with a roster that makes sense, with guys who understand their role on day one, right? Like they don't have to worry about like, is someone going to come in you know, with the Russ situation, like, is someone, is this guy going to be traded and some massive roster shakeup is going to happen, like, in two months? You know, like, it, it's like they know that this is the group. Um, They were close last year. These are, like, the types of sort of exciting seasons where you get the sense that especially LeBron and AD are so locked in on this, and but everybody feels locked in on, on like, the championship mm-hmm. goal for this for this year, and it feels, like, realistic. And so I think the vibes are... You know, the vibes are immaculate. Yeah, they are immaculate. And now this is like, we can hit the ground running sort of feeling, right? Which is why last year, this is why we were so against bringing Russell Westbrook into training camp. Everything ended up working out eventually, but I feel like that's more playing the results versus the process. And this year, the process has been also immaculate. Now, when we look at this team and what we've built, 
Rob Palenka and Ham emphasized just the versatility and the way that you were running off different forwards that we could input into the starting lineup, Tommy. Darvin Ham pretty much said that when he was like, even in the mini camp, we've already put together different amalgamations of lineups to the point where Darvin Ham put out a lineup of like, if we want to go big, we can do Reeves, Torian Prince, Rui, LeBron, and AD, you know? So it's, they've thought about this to that extent and they're just as excited, understandably so, than we are about all of the lineup fusions that we can have here and how a lot of them can work. It's just like varying degrees of success, right? But now taking a step back and looking at this team in the macro, what are some, what are your thoughts on this team as a whole first off? And then what areas of strength do you think this team will capitalize on? Do you think they have a specific identity outside of they're going to be good? Uh, and, if, and if so, what is that identity? For me, one thing that I want to highlight and something that Rob Palenka highlighted when he started talking about how yesterday he was like, you know, people forget that Christian Wood is just 27 years old. D'Angelo Russell is still just 27. And then he started going down the line of people's age, ages. And for me, I just want to highlight youth across the board. LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I believe, are the only two players who are above 30 years old. And Anthony Davis just turned 30. That is a departure from every single season we've had. Even the, the bubble season when we had like guys like Rondo and Dwight, JaVale, who were past their 30s, and even the year after that, because we still had a guy like Marc Gasol, Wesley Matthews, like dudes who were 30-plus, right? This year, it's literally just LeBron James and Anthony Davis, depending on who we sign for our 15th roster spot, but presumably that guy won't even be playing. But in terms of flanking these two with just young, energetic, even athletic guys, that's something that stands out to me, like, not only the youth, but also the hunger and drive behind that youth and guys with chips on their shoulders like Jackson Hayes, Christian Wood, Cam Reddish, even a guy like D'Angelo Russell. Um, and similar to 2020-21, while we bolstered the 2020-21 unit with like young hungry guys like Dennis Schroeder and Montrezl Harrell, I feel like we bolstered this year's roster with younger but better fitting guys across the board. Like, in 2021, we had Gasol, Wes Matthews, Markeith, Dudley, etc. These, the, but those guys kind of fit awkwardly, especially Trez and Schroeder, because Trez obviously doesn't play defense. He doesn't space the floor. Schroeder, we were like, yeah, he shot 39% from three last year, but that's probably the outlier. It ended up being that way. This year, it's like the guys that we picked, the young guys that we picked to surround LeBron James and AD with, they all seem like near-perfect fits, you know? So that's one thing that stands out to me. Anything else that stands out to you about this team and then also any strengths that you see? So kind of related, but I I mean, I'll say depth. Um, Over the course of 82 games, you know, similar to youth, like we can't understate how important it is. I mean, we saw it last year. Like, yeah, we won the first two series as the road team. That was rough. It's hard. You can see why it's hard to win three series, like multiple series in the playoffs as the team without home court advantage. Um, getting a number one or number two seed, I think it's not critical, but it is certainly extremely, extremely helpful. Right. And, and so I think like depth over the course of 82, you know, Guys are going to get hurt. D'Lo's going to miss a handful of games here and there. Like AD, LeBron, they're all going to miss like a handful of games. So having some, uh, you know, and with the caveat that you can 
you can't really replace what those guys do. Like again, over the course of 82, like you're going to see all different uh, types of teams with different types of looks in terms of what they're, you know, who's available on their team. So, you know, having LeBron, having AD, um, and, and being able to say like, if they miss a game, like, whereas the past few years, if they miss a game, that's it. You're not, you're not winning. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's like, now we actually stand a chance. I think that, and I think, um, size i think size Mm -hmm. at every position is going to be a huge huge boon for us i mean like you think about the team like last year and and even the past few years but certainly last year like you know and it was it became a joke but like everybody was six four or smaller (laughs) you know it's like we had so few guys who like forget about even like wings like just forget about that because we were so far away from even having any sort of uh, serviceable wings going into the season like we didn't even have big enough guards to be competitive, right? Like we're throwing out like six one, six two, six three backcourts, and now we have a size at every position. Our starting point guard, whether you count that as D'Lo or Austin, is six is going to be six five. Our other guard's going to be six five, like decent length at those positions. Um, you know, whoever we start at the three, any literally any option, they all have length. LeBron has some length. Yep. AD has length. You know. Vando, Rui, like, you know, Prince, like all these guys, not just length, but also just physical size. Like, we don't have to worry about like, okay, we're guaranteed to lose four games to the Clippers this year. Write those off because Kawhi is just going to shoot over everyone's head. Like, he might still do that, but at least like now we could put up a fight that's not just like, you know good luck, our best defender who happens to be 6'4", like, go try to guard Paul George, you know? Like, that's not, like, what we're falling back on anymore. And Gabe Vincent, I believe, is the only player who's 6'3 or under, and that's the first time that has happened in, like, the LeBron James AD era. You know, everybody is, as you mentioned, 6'4 and a half, 6'5 or higher, and that is one of the reasons why when Darvin Ham was asked, are you concerned that you guys didn't really address like the Jokic situation in terms of getting a traditional big man? And Darvin Ham said, I'm not concerned because one, we have AD. We also have Jackson Hayes, who while he's not beefy, he can move his legs and he can protect the rim. And he said, we can mitigate the lack of that true big, true bruising big right now because we have so much size on at every other position, you know, we can flank AD with the Vando, with the Rui, with the Wood, with a Torian Prince, with a LeBron, et cetera, et cetera. And so I agree with you completely. Like, usually, I think some people may, may have smirked when you said size because they may have been like, well, we don't have like a seven footer outside of AD, you know, that's weird. But you're right. It's like size at every other position now. And that's one way to mitigate the, the lack of having that. And again, how many bigs in, of that caliber are even available, right? right. So um, totally agree with you. For me, the other strengths that I see from this team, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on, are I think this team is going to be pretty lethal in transition, dude. With the way that Jackson Hayes runs the floor, this dude <laughs> this dude runs the floor like a wing, okay? And he obviously finishes like he, he was like a 22-year-old LeBron James. Christian Wood runs the floor really well. Vando runs the floor amazingly well and can handle the ball himself in transition. The guards that we have, Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell, have tremendous vision, and D'Angelo Russell can throw a, a 
curve bending, bullet bending, you know, bounce pass from three fourths of the court all the way to the lane, you know, for a cutting player. So I just feel like this team is set up to be, if the defense is also there and the rebounding, which I presume it's going to be, we could be one of those transition demon teams that I think we could see showtime, you know, because I, I also feel like we have enough shooters to allow the court to be spaced enough that the lane is just going to be wide open for an absolute dunk fest. And then on top of that, just the shot creation potential of this team. <laughs> like, I don't think we've had as many players who can do something with the ball, create their own shot. Obviously, you don't want everybody going kind of renegade on themselves or like, you know, going against the offense. But just the fact that if the shot clock is winding down, you could swing, swing it to any one player. And that player can get a bucket on their own, off their own dribble, a pull-up J drive it into the lane, like the versatility in terms of offense from all the forwards, even the guards, the skill level. I, I don't know. I'm very excited about the offensive potential. And then on top of that, I'm crossing my fingers for this one, Tommy, but also the shooting potential of this team. Obviously, you hesitate bringing that up when you're, whenever you're talking about the Lakers because there is that Lakers shooting curse. But across the board, maybe not everybody is like a 40% three-point shooter, but also, again, I'm going to keep saying this word, the versatility of shooting that we have. Like, these aren't just like 40% standstill shooters. These are like D'Angelo Russell can pull up from transition and hit a three and he shoots 40% on that type of shot. Gabe Vincent can pull up from transition and hit a three. They can relocate and hit a three in a variety of different scenarios. So it's not just like the typical Quinn Cook is a 40% three-point shooter. Danny Green is a 40% three-point shooter. Wesley Matthews is a 40% three-point shooter. Like, these are dynamic shooters, and it doesn't matter if everybody hits 40% from three. If they hit 37 38% from three, doing it the way that we know these players are capable of, the shooting ceiling, the offensive ceiling, the transition play ceiling is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, any last thoughts on that? Uh, No, I I agree with everything you said, though. Okay, perfect. Um, Lastly, to close this episode, what are your areas of weakness for this team? We haven't talked a lot about this, and we don't have to keep this very long, but for me, really quickly, I do think it may crop its head up at some point, but maybe big man physicality against certain teams like the Memphis Grizzlies with Jonas Valanciunas, obviously Jokic and the Nuggets, um, Embiid in the East. So big man physicality is one. Um, maybe the lack of a true speed demon at the guard position is number two in terms of having a guard that can attack the paint from the guard position because Gabe Vincent isn't that, D'Angelo Russell isn't that. Austin Reeves is kind of that, but not in, this, in, not in the way that like a Dennis Schroeder would just speed through a defense and slither around guys, you know? Austin Reeves is more crafty and skilled and actually likes to operate more in that 7 to 10 foot range. So yeah, number two is probably not having a true speed demon at the guard position who's also kind of physical the way that Dennis Schroeder was. Although Gabe Vincent is physical, he just doesn't have like the afterburners that Schroeder did. Um, And then to some extent, maybe point of attack defense, but if you guys have been following our Twitter account at Lakers Legacy Pod, I've put out a lot of defensive reels and tape of this team's defensive potential, even at the point of attack side of things and I think if Max Christie makes the leap that we all expect him to make 
between Gabe, Max, even Cam Reddish, Vanderbilt, maybe throw in JHS at, at times, and also Austin Reeves. People forget that yeah. you know Austin Reeves is a pretty good defender if he's defending guards. They're just like thinking about Team USA too much. But I think we have enough in terms of point of attack defense that I think we'll be solid. So I'm not too worried about that, but I, I put like an asterisk on that sort of deal there. And also because even if our, our guards get beat, I have such confidence in the Darvin Ham called it a fortress, a fortress of forwards that we have, that we have enough recovery help behind those guys that I think we should be okay. But any areas of weakness that you've thought of or anything that you want to expound upon from what I said? Um, only the only thing I guess, and I agree with the ones that you pointed out. So I'll just raise a slightly different one. Um, that's somewhat related to, I guess what you brought up and maybe this is like a bit of an oxymoron, but like secondary playmaking depth, I think like secondary playmaking has been a huge, like basically since we won the championship, it's been on like the forefront of everyone's mind, right? Like Rondo, his time with us was over. And since then, it's just been like a hunt. I mean, we did the trade to get Schroeder. We did the trade to get Russ. We've constantly been like seeking who is going to be the secondary playmaker. Obviously, when you have LeBron, you know where he stands as in your playmaking hierarchy. But, you know, we have D'Lo and Austin, and that should theoretically be enough. What I'm concerned about is if one one of those guys gets hurt, mm. right, and misses any sort of significant amount of time. Gabe Vincent is not a true point guard. Like, he defends yep. point of attack. I think he's a floor leader. I think he's a floor yeah. general. I just don't think he's a playmaking point guard. I think those are, like, different things, right? And And – that's where it's like you can almost kind of see JHS like emerging, right? For for stretches if somebody gets hurt. Because when you think about like, we, we, as we've discussed, right? We know who the starting guards are. We know Gabe Vincent's going to be the third guard who's coming, the first guard, uh, guard off the bench. Who's that fourth guard? We don't know if it's going to be Max. We don't know if it's going to be Cam. We don't know if it's going to be Torian Prince, who's, you know, for extra size. I doubt it's going to be JHS or, or Maxwell, but, um, you know... It, we're not sure it's who it's going to be, but none of those guys I just listed are like true secondary playmakers. Certainly none of the guys who are the front runners to be that backup to. Um, so that's where I have a little bit of concern because you can have all the offensive talent in the world. You could have good size. You could play great defense, but we've seen how stagnant, you know, any team can become and, and maybe look, maybe like part of the benefit of having a guy like ham versus having more of a defense, purely defensive minded guy like Vogel is like, we, we should be maximizing with our sets, what our guys can do. But yeah, but in terms of just one guy other than LeBron, you could throw the ball to, to go make a play when, you know, LeBron's not available. It's like D or Austin. And what happens if one of those guys gets hurt, you know? So that, that's where, like I said, it may be a bit of an oxymoron because we're calling it secondary playmaking for a reason, but like, and so maybe you could argue how much depth do you really need um, in that respect? But, but that would be um, the one thing I might point to. Yeah. And just to clarify your comment in terms of secondary playmaking, you're more thinking about, we don't have like a Rondo off the bench, right? Because I think everybody right. on this team is above average in terms of playmaking. Even yes, a guy like correct, Torian Prince. Correct. Just like a pure ball handling guard. Yeah, exactly. Like TJ McConnell, right? Would be perfect if you had like a TJ McConnell to playmake off the bench. So I totally feel you on that. Yeah. So with that said, that will do it for this episode in terms of our strengths, weaknesses, looking ahead to media day. It's going to be fun. 
everybody buckle up. Um, this is an exciting team to root for, and it's just carrying the momentum over from last season that we had. And I'm glad that we're able to take this ride with a lot of the same group of guys. So yeah, um, media day is next week. Training camp is next week. And then we have our first preseason basketball against the Golden State Warriors next Sunday. So it's going to be lit. So with that said, we will catch you guys next time. Tommy, I will see you later. Peace. Laters. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.